Welcome to the Urbanized Podcast. Uh, my name is Wally Brown, and today joining me is Vicious Technique from Miami, Florida. Vicious, how you doing, man? Great, I'm great. How you doing, Wally? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. You can't complain. I mean, I can't complain, but I'm going to do something about it. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. Word. All right, yeah, so um, I think, I think, yeah, I think it'd be great for you to introduce yourself because you're actually the first, um, you're the first artist of your kind to come on Urbanize. So can you tell us about yourself? Like, what was the title, Vicious, and where are you coming from? So, Vicious, Technique is the first three letters of Technique, T-E-K-N-I-Q-U-E. Those are the actual three, first three letters of my last name, Techerman. Mm -hmm. So there is... It's actually related to my name. Mm -hmm. So there's the context of vicious that that has to do with more of, of a relation with society and the era, which I'm which I'm um, putting my art out in. That's more so where that comes from. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking to like the type of commentary that I'm giving. I want to say all of the music, but where my core value of truth comes from, that context is vicious. And then the execution of it, the technique, the technical aspect of it, the in the actual art form, and then just as a, as a as an idea, as a concept. That's great, man. I think that's yeah. To hip hip hop is hip hop represents knowledge and movement. Hip is to know, and then hop is to move. Mm -hmm. So I didn't come up with the name for that reason, but there are par parallels to that where is the not the context of the vicious society and mm -hmm. then the movement of the technique of applying the knowledge and applying what we learn and, and our experiences to to making the world a better place i think that's great man i think that that's profound thank you, thank you. i learned my teacher is as one i watch yeah. uh I, I attend the temple every sunday the temple of hip-hop mm -hmm. And he gives lectures. So I got I got really before he was doing it every Sunday, I would just watch his stuff on YouTube and I try to gain more information and gain an understanding of the culture as a whole. Mm -hmm. Because I didn't I want I wanted to represent hip hop correctly. I didn't I wanted to understand the history of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't want to disrespect the ancestors of it and disrespect the people that created it. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I had to know the origins and, and like where it comes from and why the originators did it and so on and so forth. So I have to credit a lot to the teacher Karis one for sure. I think that's great. That's wonderful. And that's powerful. So let's talk about, let's talk about what you do in hip hop. So can you tell us about, like, I know we know, I know that you're an artist. Can you tell us about your artistry within hip hop? So like yeah, professional role, you know, that's my cool. professional role. So I'm the CEO and founder of Conundrum Records, Conundrum Nation Publishing, and Poseidon Holdings. Okay. So I had multiple businesses before, and I'm sure we're gonna to a little later. But um, basically, I had it, at a certain point I had it to to make a decision of where I wanted to focus the resources were because one business dissolved. So I decided when that business dissolved, I wanted to focus all of my efforts and the resources of the business into the record label. Because I was, I was putting out music, 
I put out a song 2017 called Conor McGregor that did very well. I put out a song called Blood in the Water in 2016, which was kind of like a mumble rap commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, you could say per se this, I wouldn't call it that, but like for hype, it's been called that. So I've, I was putting out music and I was putting out music even going back with SoundCloud back in 2012. So I was like constantly putting out music, but I was doing other businesses. I started with a, with a clothing company. Mm-hmm. And then I went into uh, helping my family's company, baseball training company, and then from there developed the app. And then that was the business that dissolved a virtual training app that I decided to focus the resources into the label. So that happened about 2017. And then I've been full, that was mid my graduate studies. So I've been full time working as the CEO of Conundrum Records, Conundrum Nation Publishing and Poseidon Holdings for about two years now. I think that's great. Shoot, man. All right. Because a lot like... of people, a lot of people don't realize that music has assets if yeah. if they're in, viable in the market. So there's the master recording, which is an asset because it generates mechanical royalties. Okay. And then there's also the asset of the copyright, which generates publishing royalties. And there's actually two streams of publishing royalties. Okay. So those assets are pretty much managed by the different parts of the company. So Conundrum Records handles the, the master's recordings and then the publishing company handles the copyrights. Okay. And then and you kind of create the music that like produces both. Exactly. Exactly. I'm the I'm the artist, vicious technique. I'm the writer. I'm I and AR I work with producers. Um I don't actually make the beats, but I do pick the beats. And I executive produce, meaning I arrange how the song is going to go. And I was actually mixing for a long time. I was the, I was the one, uh, I shouldn't per se, a long time. For multiple years, I was mixing, doing the audio engineering as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, now that we are, there's more revenue, more gross revenue, we decided to work with more specialists that are, they do it for a living, you know? Yeah. Taking my, I think they're, honestly, they're, they're better at me than mixing. They've been doing it longer, just to be completely honest. So, we feel for the better outcome of the product, we we decided to work with other engineers now. We think the the songs are coming on a lot better. Okay. I mean, that sounds great. That sounds like you're diversifying and you're specializing, which yes. tends to lead to a better product. Yeah, it's like a skill in itself to learning how to specialize and outsource. Word. All right. That sounds great. And so let's let's zoom back out. Let's talk about you, which is technique, the person. Like, where are you from? Where have you lived? You know? So I was born and raised in Miami, Florida, and West Kendall. It's like 25 minutes southwest of South Beach. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of Colombian people and Cuban people and uh, Guatemalan people, like Central South American people. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to know Spanish. I feel that where, where I am uh, in Kendall. So, yeah. And then I went to, so I've lived here my whole life. And that's part. So from that, I, I was, a, I played baseball since I was a little kid. I played baseball and football. I stopped like when I was like eight or nine, I stopped playing football, but I kept playing baseball. And then I started playing football again in high school, mm-hmm. first two years of high school. And then I just played, I played baseball a little bit in college for Miami Dade. And then, uh, yeah, so that, that was a big, baseball is huge in Miami. And then we won because there's a lot of Dominican people as well, Caribbean people, I should say as well. I can't forget them. 
So Dominican people are really good at baseball. I'm not trying to stereotype them, but if you just look at statistics, like, um, yeah, I've heard the stories. I've seen the heroes that came. Yeah. So I'm not, yeah, it's not like I made this up. So, um, being around a, a lot of Dominican people and Cuban people too play baseball is heavily. So that there's a, there's a lot of that influence. And then there was an influx of uh, Venezuelan people when I want to say I was around like 12 because of Chavez. Mm-hmm. A lot of Venezuelan people moved to Miami. So Venezuelan people like baseball as well. So that was a big influence on me. And my family uh, has connections with Freddie Gonzalez, who was the manager for the Atlanta Braves and the Florida Marlins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like a friend. He's like a family friend. Uh, we don't talk to him as much as, as uh, now, but before we were, we were a lot closer with him when I was growing up. And then Raul Banez, mm-hmm. who played on the Phillies and the Mariners and the Royals. And he had like a long career. My dad coached him in high school and then coached wow. him like at like the end stage of, end stage of his career. And then uh, that's pretty much where the, the training company comes from that I was working with, with my family for a while. And then I had built that up at UF. When I was at UF, I had, uh, I had like brought on interns. Oh, wow. I brought on like marketing interns and legal interns because I didn't have the capital because we we're a small business. We didn't have the capital to hire these people. So I was like, you know what? Let me just make a profile on the UF Career Resource Center website and just try to hire interns because you don't have to pay them. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's what I did. And then I, I pretty much brought on a team of developers that way. And I made an app and it was a virtual training app. So my dad could train people in like Wisconsin because people in like middle America were contacting us, but he, we just had one facility in Miami. Mm -hmm. So it was like, is it's a whole thing to get him over here. And this is like 2013, 2014. So it's Mm -hmm. not, the technology is not what it is today. You know what I mean? With all the apps and stuff. So I, me being a business person, I had a, I had a clothing company at the time and I was still making music. I've always been entrepreneurial minded before that was like cool to be. So, um, I, I tried to make the app and I failed twice, but the third iteration was viable. Mm-hmm. But there was like a learning curve I didn't account for with uh with with the people that were working with my dad's company because they're older. So that kind of messed things up. I had a shift to fitness and it didn't really work out within yeah. the company I designed it for. Yeah. But yeah, I pretty much to go back to your original question. Yeah, that was up in Gainesville. So I just lived in Miami and Gainesville. And then I did my master's at Florida Atlantic University, 2016, 2018. So then I stayed in Boca Raton for like a year or in Dana, in the Dana Beach area. Okay. You saw, you see Boss out there in Boca Raton? <laughs> That's a, they got, they got a song out there. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, 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 a few, but you know what's funny, dude? I think he shot that, he shot the video in Miami Gardens. Oh, wow. I, I think he shot it at El Patio, which is in, I want to say in Wynwood. Uh-huh. And and he has he has other stuff from like Overtown and Little Haiti, which is not Boca Raton. So I was a little confused in the video, but I <laughs> I like the song. And a lot of people probably don't know those places because they're not from there. Uh-huh. So like I am sure like the average viewer is like, yeah, that's Boca Raton. But no, actually he used pieces of Miami, if I'm if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I feel that. I bet he like stayed. I bet he slept in Boca Raton and then he would visit those places as he was sleeping there. You know what I mean? Word. That's a good, they got some, I'm pretty sure they got a Ritz out there, a Ritz Carlton. That's nice. 
It's a it's a wealthy area. Boca Raton is a wealthy area. I feel you. I feel sure. you. It's not as wealthy as Palm Beach. Palm Beach is on some oligarchy next level, uh-huh. but uh, Boca Raton is up there too. Shoot. I feel you, fam. Let's see. And when you were out there, like uh, getting your degrees, like what were you, what were you studying? Can you tell us about that? So, I started. I high school is is kind of where I learned about engineering first. When I got into this this specialized high school called School for Advanced Studies, Ooh. and then up until that point, I didn't really know what engineering was. So okay. once I kind of I, I got into these conversations where there was more. Uh, I don't want to say diversity, but just more depth of subject matter. Because I wasn't, when I was at my previous school, Sunset, it, unless you were in like the engineering magnet, you're not interacting with engineering students. But me going to the specialized advanced school that's like half college, half high school, I was now around people that were studying engineering. And it was like, they were using terms that I didn't even know what they were. Yeah. And I, to be honest, I kind of felt stupid. Yeah. I was 16, though, which is, I guess that's the time to feel stupid. So I kind of, I was like, you know, I don't want to feel stupid. And I want to, I was thinking about studying philosophy, but I was like, it's kind of pointless. And it just kind of clicked, like, I should start studying engineering. <laughs> We're going to put a quick disclaimer out <laughs> to, all the, to all the philosophers. We we love philosophers. But... Yeah, I'm a philosopher, yeah. too, but I just felt yeah. like you got to apply the knowledge. <laughs> Me personally. So, so that's just... what, I didn't know that was a thing, though. I was just exposed to the philosophy part of it i just thought it was theory and then i don't know i guess i just where growing up i, I didn't really know any engineers dude it's just so once i figured out what it was i was like oh i want to do this so then i started taking like um like engineering courses while I was still in high school because i was going to college while i was in high school mm-hmm. and then i had like a mechanical engineering type track and I, i'll be real like i failed i failed a i want to say a physics class like i wasn't the best at it but yeah. that's part of why i wanted to study it because i knew i wasn't the most proficient in these subjects so i was like i want to make a weakness a strength yeah that was a big deciding factor to get into the discipline of engineering because it's not like i was bad at math but I, it wasn't my best subject because you you can see like you in hip-hop it like my literature uh talents come out in a sense like my my wordplay skills come out and hip-hop like naturally like I've always been a writer and and I used to I've been writing poems since I was nine and that was that's been my strong point writing yeah. and you can maybe give partial credit to the curriculum of Miami Day Public Schools because there's like a, a specific writing test in the fourth grade mm. and I and I remember like that was a thing like FCAT writing like I didn't get a perfect score and I was crushed. I had worked so hard to get a perfect score. And like my elementary school was hyping me up. They had put like my essays in the library, framed them. Oh, wow. And like I was winning awards and like they were hyping me up. I was like first draft pick, first round draft pick that went like the third round. (laughs) So, but anyway, I just say that to say that that was the focus. So when I got into SAS, School for Advanced Studies, that's when I decided to make math and science more of a focus more stem and i think that was just out of the opportunity to do so i don't think i had the opportunity really to do so prior i think and then from there i studied bioengineering bio and agricultural engineering at uf Uh 
And I chose that specifically because of the water crisis, because back then, I don't know if I'm pretty sure it's still the same numbers, but the most people, the, the number one cause of death is water, like water scarcity, water related illnesses. So I want around the world, around the world. Okay. So I wanted to address that crisis and there people have been telling me like, Oh, there's, we're going to run out of water. We're going to run out of water, which I think is stupid. So I, I was, uh, I wanted to address that as well. So that's what I was, why I was studying. And then through my studies, I realized, I thought originally it was a filter issue, Mm -hmm. a design specification issue with the water filtration. But then while working uh with different big companies at uf and these different uh in this program called the integrated product and process design program where they match up engineering students senior engineering students with real firms with real life problems and i worked with a very extensive filtration system with reverse osmosis and and microfiltration put it in reverse osmosis all right let's go straight up so (laughs) working with all i actually worked with the most advanced technology you know what i mean So having actually worked with that, I realized completely that it's not, that's not the problem. The filtration technology is not the problem. Yeah. It's the electricity to power it. So I was like, okay, I realized that like my junior year. And then I took a energy conservation class, which had to do with some renewable energy and some oil processes. Like it's called the Rankine cycle. And there's a few other ones. Okay. The rain so came. I took, yeah, I had taken that course um, my junior year and it was a master's course and I had to get paperwork to be able to take it because I was still an undergrad at UF. Yeah. But I did what I had to do and I got the paperwork in and I took the class and I, I think I got like a B plus, but there, that's when I learned of ocean power. Okay. And I was like, wave power, wave power, or wind. There is much, it's, 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 it's diverse, but what I ended up studying at, um, FAU and which is why I chose to do my graduate studies at FAU and in ocean engineering was because of what I learned in that course. Okay. So I learned pretty much one of the most effective types of ocean power. And then I decided, all right, when I graduate here, I'm going to go there and study it and research it. And then that's what I did. I did my, uh, I got right into the PhD program for uh, hydrokinetic conversion and, okay. Okay. And you're and I got my master's in 2018. So I graduated my undergrad 2016 with a okay. degree in biological engineering, and agricultural engineering okay. from the University of Florida. Okay. And then 2018, I graduated with a degree in ocean engineering, a uh, master's degree in ocean engineering okay. from Florida Atlantic University, master of science. Okay. And you're in the PhD program during this? Yeah. I, it, what I did was um, it was called a master's along the way. Okay. Yeah. So are you are you still enrolled in the PhD? Or are you what's going no, on? No, I, I I'm going. I can't get into it too much, but we okay. had to we had to amic, we had to part ways, and it's still ongoing. Yeah, no problem. That's dope. Okay, well, I think that's great. You have a very very, very valuable technology. I was working. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, right. It basically increases increases the electrical production from a particular type of ocean power. Okay. And then there's there's multiple like modifications I was making, optimization modifications. Okay. That's dope. I think that's perfect. Let's do it. Let's change the world. <laughs> let's let's pivot. So what led you to create hip hop music? I know you talked about your um 
we're gonna zoom, we're gonna pivot back and forth, professional and personal, and then we're gonna blend it together. So it's kind of together. It's kind of together, sort of. Okay, let's it's do it. Sort of together because it's both me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, yeah. So, um, what led me to create hip hop? Yeah. What led you so, to? Hip-hop? Yeah. So being a fan first, I think. Okay. I grew up when I grew up, like kids still went outside and played. All right. So I would go out, like I would play stickball in my neighborhood and I would like, we play tag and stuff like that. So I would be around other kids and they would be a little older than me and they'd be playing like DMX, uh, <laughs> Rough Riders Anthem. Rough Riders. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. So Showtime. <laughs> so yeah, that's like the first real hip hop that I feel like that I remember. I'm, I'm pretty sure my mom was playing stuff. I think my mom would play like, Barry White for me when I was younger and talk about stuff like like soulful music stuff like that. And and she would play like like the popular of stuff. I remember playing like B fifty twos when I was younger. Uh. I know it's not hip hop, but no, but it's all I feel like I feel like they've like hip hop artists have sampled them. They they do a lot of hip hop is sampled from you know it it everybody inspired like if we're in the same period of time we all inspire each other you know. Yeah, so I was. I was born in 92, so you yeah. figure, like, that golden era, like, I'm a little kid during the golden era. And, like, so, like, I'm around that. And then, but when I became conscious of it, I would say I was probably around, like, maybe nine years old when I was, like, when they were playing DMX for me. Because when I felt like that was a shift because it wasn't, I didn't hear it on the radio. I didn't hear it from my parents. It was, like, I was with people that were, like, we're playing this. Yeah. You know, I think that's the first time. That's why it stuck with me. Like, this is what we're playing. Like, this is not on the radio. This is like off a CD, you know? So I can feel that. That that kind of like I loved it. I love DMX. And that was like my my style was very influenced by DMX in the early stages. Like I was like raspy and I thought I had to be super lyrical and like I was yeah. very focused on lyrics when I first started hip hop. And then uh, I I think the first rap I made up was about my baseball team. Mm-hmm. In middle school, there was like this thing called spill out, which mm-hmm. is like after you eat, you go to an area where they hold all the people pretty much. Mm-hmm. And then in that area, you, like we would play poker, we would play, and this is middle school, we would play cards, we play. And then for, I think seventh or eighth grade, we would be like, a few kids were freestyling. Mm-hmm. I am and rap and rapping and like I was with them, but I was more on the graffiti side. Like I would be drawn, like and I would just like I would like to hear them spit, mm-hmm. and but I wasn't actually doing myself there. But then around the same time, I want to say sixth grade. This is sixth grade, yeah. So then I had to be sixth grade that that was happening. Sixth mm-hmm. grade. So then I that's when I made my first rhyme about my baseball team, and it was like I went through the whole line. And I think I said, like, the pitcher was throwing propane or something like that. Like, I went through the whole lineup of everybody. And then that was, like, the first time I had come up with a rhyme. Mm. And and then about, so I'm about, like, 12 at that point. And then about th- a few years later, I started, like, penning, like, started, like, freestyling and, like, uh, and, like actually, like, writing to beats. I feel that. Okay. Like and, sixteen, like through high school. Uh and when when did you start like uh like dropping tracks? I think like a year after I graduated high school. I think I dropped. Uh, I think it's actually still on SoundCloud. Like if you go to my SoundCloud and you go all the way down, 
Mm -hmm. I think it's called, ironically, I think it's called PhD Freestyle. And it was, yeah, I think I dropped it, I want to say 2012, 2013. And then I would just drop like a single hair in there because it costs money to go to the studio. I didn't really have money like that, you know? Yeah. I'm there in, in school. I'm in college and I'm at this time still playing baseball, still uh work out. Let me see. At this time, I had I had the clothing company at this time. So I was still doing my own business at that time. And then while I was at UF, I had somebody approach me. He kind of wanted to to sign me. He wanted to work with me. It was like a promoter. Mm-hmm. And then we 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 worked together sparingly, but that was kind of the first time to where I put like real time and energy into my music, where there was like a financial result. I think I had got like paid two hundred bucks to do a show or something like that. Yeah, this was like one around the same time. I want to say like twenty fourteen, mm. and then that that guy it didn't work like the guy came back and he told me he's like hey man i don't think we should do the music right now but this baseball company you have with your with your with your family with your dad i think that's that has a lot of potential he's like i want to work with you with that so i was like all right word let's go and then he's the one i was pretty much making the app with and we put together like optimization processes for the my, my the techmatic training and and he helped me he helped me work with that but that was it was it was interesting that i had that connection through originally working uh with like an upstart label like a promotional company i feel that shoot dang that's a that's a journey let's do it <laughs> so now like how do you reconcile like those two passions you know you got your engineering journey, then you got your hip hop, you know, you got the PhD freestyle. Like today, how do you how do you balance those hats? So I assumed like oh, over this time, because this is happening, like I'm developing my mind kind of as it's going on. Cause like I said, engineering is not my strong suit. So to be completely honest, I wasn't sure if I was gonna graduate. I didn't um I didn't uh I didn't do well my first couple years at uf Mm -hmm. there was there was these things called tracking classes tracking courses Mm -hmm. and you had a tracking gpa so like your core courses you had to have a certain gpa and mine was a little lower than i had to be and one of the the counselors or whoever the directors and the and the biological engineering they told me like hey uh if you don't if you don't basically ace out or like get high grades the rest of the way like you have to get kicked out so it was it wasn't easy for me, you know what I'm saying? So I was still trying to make music, but I was like having to focus a lot more on baseball. I mean not baseball, I was having to focus a lot more on engineering and then still having to like kind of part ways with baseball because I was still I like my senior year uh, when I was playing ball, like the Atlanta Braves scout uh gave me his card. Mm-hmm. I could have went to major league trials. So it's not like I didn't put any time into baseball. So I was kind of like breaking up with baseball, but still connected with technatic training with with my family's company so I was dealing with that so I'm like dealing with the like I'm not a player anymore I'm now like a businessman in it slash coach and I'm dealing with having to put out music and trying to struggle to get a degree at the same time so that that was like it was really hard to find balance and all while this was happening like 2014 I'm thinking, okay, when I graduate, I can get a job or uh, one of my businesses will do well. And then I, I can use that money and then fund my, my independent label. Mm-hmm. 
that I could fund my music. But that's that's not how it turned out. There was no there was no revenue really from engineering. And then it got to a point where I kind of only had hip hop. Like I had graduated from the masters and I wasn't getting jobs. And the like I said, there's there's still an issue with FAU. And so like I was kind of in limbo and I was like, you know what? Let me just I think I heard Kanye West say you make moves based on opportunities. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he said something like that. You make moves based on opportunities. And my music was gaining traction. And I, and I was working with my, my business partner at the time for over a year at that point. Not full time. We weren't necessarily making money, but we were working at it. You know, we were building it up, building a foundation. And I was like, you know what, man? Like, here's my opportunity. I'm going to make my own opportunity. And I just like, I went full in. And then I basically, from 2019 to 2020, the gross revenue increased like over a thousand percent. So it, it paid off. That's great. I mean, that's great. Let, let's zoom out for a second because you got these complex happenings in your life, you know? As this is going on, you're developing as a professional, as an artist, as a student. Uh, how has, like, the mini hats, that like, your identity, how is that, like, what is your relationship with urban planning, you know? So I think I was most closely interacting with urban planners and that, and that subject or that uh, field, I should say, mm-hmm. while I was focused on land and water engineering during my undergrad. Ooh. You said Atlanta water engineering? Land and water engineering. Oh, oh I'm So sorry. that had, they, <laughs> we had, to, we had to basically like calculate the runoff factors and like uh, take into account the slopes of the, of the landscape and the surrounding areas and account for drainage, calculate drainage, calculate possible overflow, cal- calculate possible flooding. Like if you ever hear like a thousand year storm. Yo, yeah, 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 thousand year it's, flood. Let's it's go. related to that. Okay. So uh, that's what I was basically working on. I didn't end up uh, like pursuing that field. I went into ocean engineering. I pivoted. Yeah. But where I was working with, where I overlapped most with urban planning was probably then, which is like 2015, 2016. I took a course, land and water engineering with, and uh, that was like the name of my degree in bioengineering. That was like the focus of it. And uh, okay. I was uh, working with a professor where the professor I was in the course, he was like somewhat renowned in Spain. Mm-hmm. So he would give us very like, almost like real life projects and give us two a week. And I would have to start the project as soon as I got it. And I'll be working on it until the last minute that it would be able to get turned in. To review those projects, they were like 10-page, 15, 20-page uh, projects. Mm-hmm. They were like reports with, with spreadsheets and calculations. Mm-hmm. To review, to just proofread, it would take me 30 minutes to proofread at one time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was super, it was super uh, extensive and like... Uh, and yeah, I felt like almost I should get paid. I got an A in the class, which is maybe why I went really hard because it was four credits instead of three, which is typical. Mm-hmm. So for my GPA, I was like, man, if I get an A in this, it's going to really help my GPA. So I got the A. That's great, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Worked really hard, but got it. Got it done. A win's a win. A win is a win. Yeah. As wind power. <laughs> so. And then also to, to also relate it, we were kind of talking about it earlier. I've always been fascinated with theme parks. Oh, yeah. I would love to have my own theme park, like design a theme park. Mm-hmm. And because I, when I was a kid, I went to Disney World. 
I mm. went to Epcot and I went to Magic Kingdom and I went to Animal Kingdom. And that had, as a kid, it just like imprinted, like, like you could have a world in the world. And I was oh, like, yeah. I want, I want a world. I want to make a world. That's what kind of gave me the idea. I take a lot of inspiration from Disney, from Walt Disney. I know he, like, everybody doesn't like him for his past or whatever, but yeah, just like from the greatness of what he achieved, I, I I'm inspired by that about what he was able to accomplish with Disney World and some of his quotes. Some of his quotes are very inspiring to me. I can see that. I mean, we're all complicated people, you know. It's it's a very it's one of the largest entertainment companies in the world. I think. Yeah, I'm a shareholder. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was actually, I saw a YouTube video not too long ago and it blew my mind, bro. It was about the Universal Studios in Japan. Oh, yeah. Have you, have you, have you ever seen that? I never, I never, I haven't seen that YouTube video. I know, I know Disney bought Studio Ghibli and that was huge. Um, Studio Ghibli, what is that? That's like Spirited Away, um, Nausicaa, Valley of the Wind. It's a Hayao Miyazaki's, uh, it, it it's a it's like a culturally defining like anime house in japan oh wow okay that's interesting i gotta check that out disney bought their version of disney <laughs> wow it does yeah disney buys everything disney bought star wars which is kind of crazy yeah that's crazy they bought the whole marvel studios as well like yeah they're really and somehow they they always underpay like they always buy it and then it turns out like dang they should have really paid way more I think but anyway, I was I was gonna say the uh, not to cut sorry to cut you up, but uh, the Universal Studios. I saw a, a Mar the Mario World in Japan and Universal Studios, uh -huh. and that might be the most impressive from an aesthetic perspective, an impressive theme park I've ever seen. It's like there, it almost is like there's no pieces of their world of that world that is of this world. It's like they almost completely created a separate world. It's like true engineering. They're taking it to the they're taking engineering to the max. Yeah, because when you go to Disney, you, you can kind of see the you can kind of see behind the scenes a little bit. Like you, the trash cans aren't like really of exactly of the setting all the time. And maybe some of the costumes aren't exactly fitting of the setting or, or like you got a stormtrooper right by a movie theater. It's like what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have you have some of that going on, yeah. but in this particular, because I, I and I'm not trying to stereotype anybody, but I feel like Japanese people are masters of of creation, masters of of beauty in a sense. Like they they're able to take like ideas and refine them into like a next level form of it. Yeah. And I feel like that's what an example is what I saw, in my opinion, is what I saw with the the Universal, the Mario World and Universal in Japan. Like it looked almost flawless. I don't know if the editing of the video was done that like made it that much better, but just it was like a, it was like a fan video that I was watching. It wasn't like a Universal approved. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was huh. like a guy that just went and toured it. There's only so, one way to find out. Let's go. <laughs> Let's bro, go. I really want to go, man. I was looking up like condos in Japan, like beach condos in Japan. I couldn't find nothing. I have friends in Japan. So they they probably have condos. It's it's very hard for foreigners to own land in Japan. That's just outright. Um, that makes but, sense. 
you know, and because they have a they have an island, they have a finite amount of space as part of their planning. And like sometimes you got to move people because the tsunamis and stuff. But like if you want to visit Japan, like they have a heavy they have a heavy thing. I took Japanese for two years. Right. It's six, six and seventh grade. I took Japanese. Okay. That's damn. All right. I thought I was gonna play baseball over there. Yo, I got, I got friends that, I got friends that would be. <laughs> I have friends that you should meet. I have friends in Japan. Oh man, that's, that's dope. I also was getting more plays than usual from Japan. It wasn't like a lot of plays, but on Apple Music, music I was noticing a new song I dropped called Rise. It was getting more plays than normal from Japan. Like the number two country was Japan on Apple Music, which is a lot more than usual for me. I think that's beautiful, man. Japan is a place with a bunch of people. So anything people can do, like Japanese are gonna do it. Just like America, just but with Japan, everybody's so close that I feel like it's easier to build off each other. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. I feel like there's more of a collective culture in Japan. Whereas here it's more indiv- uh, in, in, individualistic. Yeah. Focus on the individual because, like, more so maybe because of the history or capitalism or whatever reason. Okay. No, I can feel that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So I feel like we're touching on a lot of good topics. For our next question, can you tell us about a time when you've actively like been involved in supporting like the local human environment? So through my art, I think I would do that. I could say on a regular basis, um, my engineering, which hasn't, I haven't seen as much of the fruits of my labor as I would have thought that would be more connected with, with, uh, with that question, with having to provide for the, the, the environment for humanity. Yeah. But pretty much like my overall approach to to um, my degrees, to my education was mm-hmm. trying to provide the necessity. So originally in my undergrad, I was trying to figure out how I can help with the water crisis. Yeah. And then I kind of figured that out. And then from that point, when I, once I realized it was an electricity problem, renewable energy problem, then that's what I was trying to do in my graduate studies. And yeah, so that my whole approach to to creating what what eventually I, I would want, which is a a desalination plant and an ocean power facility that's uh, connected. Mm. So my my like overarching goals is can can you can say that that's connected to to helping humanity? That'd be great. So you got, a, you got a theme park where ocean power is powering the rides and then desalinating the water. All right, I got you. I got you. I see it. <laughs> so uh, next up, uh, what, what advice do you have for young people who will like inherit like the current systems that we have now and become the stewards of tomorrow? So I think I, like pretty much this is something I wish someone would have told me Mm -hmm. um and it's that like success is not enough like you could you could do everything that let's say a job or or the curriculum asks of you but you can't expect like 
what they said they were going to give you for them to give you, even if you achieve what, what they said is adequate to, to, to receive that. Yeah. So, yeah, because I've been in situations where I generate an amount of money and then it's, it's just I have to now sue to acquire that money. I don't want to go into details, but you know what I mean? Like there's been that si- types of situations, been types of situations where I've had professors not tell me information. Um, and it's like the whole course is about this topic. I'm asking questions about the topic and the teacher, the teacher won't tell me. So like you could, you could do everything you you're supposed to and the powers that be, whatever it may be, the system, whatever you want to call it is going to like, can't roadblock you. So you have to be successful, but with a foundation you have to have. And, and the foundation is different from anybody, but I would say a foundation, what I mean by that is like certain specialized knowledge and experience. And then with that investment of, of knowledge, time and experience, there's a tangible result that you can preserve and scale up. That's what I mean by foundation. Like in terms of marketing, an example would be if you run an ad campaign, like a Facebook ad campaign, Mm-hmm. And let's say two people are running the same campaign with the same content to the same demographics, but one has retargeting set up and one doesn't. Mm-hmm. The one the one marketer that has retargeting set up now has a data list and and pixel data that they can now retarget these people and possibly which will lead to more conversions. This other marketer that didn't set up the retargeting now doesn't have that data and has no foundation to build upon. That's what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a, it's some it's a kind of like it's something tangible foundation, but also it's in a in a sense it's a mindset. It's what it how can what I'm doing today and what I'm putting my time, energy, and effort into how can I like in a sense save that and use that and scale up on that and build on that. I think that's great. I think that's wonderful. So we'll ask some follow up because I know we got data, we got the community, and we got the future. So let's take it, let's take it to like a technical level. Like how do your roles as a, as an engineer, as a hip hop artist, like helps, help support like the functioning of like a city, you know? As an artist or as an engineer or both? As both. We can, both. You can take it how you want it, man. Let's okay. do it. So yeah, it kind of goes back to what I was saying a little bit before, like my whole approach to why I did engineering was there was a means to an end. I didn't do engineering to get a job per se. Mm-hmm. I was trying to help with the water crisis and filter the ocean water, purify the ocean water. Mm. So then that's why I did ocean power. So like it's a means to an end. So like when I'm able to accomplish that, I can literally, like my facilities can literally power cities and can uh, provide water for cities and hopefully these cities will be where there's devastation like uh i believe it's the south sudan yeah and the west sahara yeah and Djibouti. i might be mispronouncing mispronouncing um, you got it Ye- yemen yeah well yemen would be hard because it's getting bombed yeah but these other countries i think it would be what's the word tactically or tangibly more viable to do it in, in some of these other countries. But that's, 
because that was my whole I, premise. That was my whole idea of like, why are you doing this? Why are you filtering the water? So babies don't die. It's like that simple. Yeah. So that's how I would want to func- to my role to support the functioning of, in this case, like developing cities would be the term, right? Yeah. 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 And then as an artist, uh, I am hip hop. I represent hip hop in in my art as well as my day to day and who I am. So mm-hmm. that being said, said I embody truth. That's one of my core values. Okay. So I do my best to express that through my art. I'm not to say like I'm a hundred percent successful, but like I do my best to embody truth as much as I can. You know. I think that's and then you got it. Thanks. I agree. I agree with you, bro. And I think we're. And I don't mean to sound cocky or like mm. facetious, but like I think what's where my art, where my music is a little different, is that I've studied, I've studied data analysis, I've studied oceanography, I've studied land and water conservation engineering, I've studied uh, heat and mass transfer. I've so I've taken these very, in a sense, esoteric subjects mm-hmm. where I don't think a lot of other hip hop artists have been exposed to. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of able to filter it in a more palatable form. Mm. I'm, I'm able to take, and I'm not saying every song is like an, is like a, a, a course curriculum on convection. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I'm able to like, maybe I have a metaphor about convection. Maybe I have, maybe I use, deduction in a in a in a in a double entendre and they're like you know what i'm saying like yeah i'm able i'm able to be influenced by my studies which um in a sense i'm proud of i think it makes me unique i'm proud of of that unique aspect of it vicious technique to vicious unique we got, hey. I don't know if you realize we just went full circle. You, um, you said <laughs> you, you, you use your engineering to filter it. I oh, know <laughs> we went from a filter to a filter. So that, that's the connection. Hey, no All pun right. intended. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Don't so, ask me how. <laughs> it just happened. Triple entendre. Or what did Jay say? Triple entendre? Triple entendre. Triple don't ask me how. That's funny, bro. All right. So let's see. Next stop. All right. So. We're going to leadership. What do you wish current leadership would do to move community forward? And this can be in engineering, this can be in hip hop, this can be in the world. What what do you want to see leaders do? And if you see yourself a leader, what do you what do you want to see yourself do? Mm. Well, when I, the way I take leader, and and just my perspective, my perception would be like pol- uh, politicians. Mm-hmm. So what I would like to see is big money removed from politics and. What I don't hear is I want big money removed from university research. Okay. I think it's it's like the university research is very reliant upon these this these big money entities, and then they can steer innovation. So the the reason I'm saying this is I do not want to stagnate innovation. What I want to do is actually keep the natural flow of innovation, if that makes sense. Okay. I want. I want there. Like, I. I want. I believe in a free market per se. I don't think there's a free market now. I think it's very uh, regular. Like, it's rigged towards the, 
the upper class. I think there's social socialism for the wealthy, socialism for the corporations, I should say more so. But regardless of that, uh, or you know what I should say, in, in conjunction with that, because that's connected, because these very powerful entities that are influencing politics with their money, now those politicians write things into law that they pay less money or that there's different loopholes or there's certain regulations that help them that they can get taken out. For, uh, for example, like environmental regulations that can be removed, which we saw under Trump. Mm-hmm. that allow for more pollution and then more money to be made by that corporation. So I would like to see basically the corruption. The reason I'm saying this is I don't want to, the point I'm trying to make is I don't want to stagnate the markets. I yep. want there to be robust, in a sense, capitalism. I want the there to be, ro- yeah, I want there to be robust commerce and business. I'm like, I'm a business person, uh. but I don't want there to be corruption. I think when this big money comes into politics and comes into the university system, it lends itself for too much influence, which I would call corruption. Now, some people would argue and say, just to be fair to the other side, they would say, we need the money. It's not corruption, it's influence. And I would say, I disagree because of pretty much all the points I just made. But I, I would just like to acknowledge that there are people that have valid points that say, that the big money is viable in politics and uh and and the university system i i just don't agree i think corruption is the enemy of innovation okay i can see that and let's see i have a question for you would you say that influence is a measure of corruption like you can measure how corrupt something is by how much influence somebody who knows nothing about it (laughs) yeah and i think in today it's almost like it has to be self-governing like and we're kind of seeing the tech industry doing a bad job of it right now where yeah. they have so much power that they don't know what to do with it. They're just like, shut him down, shut him down, shut him down, shut him down, shut him down. And it's like, why are you shutting him down? And it's like, because we shut them down. It's like, but why do you shut them down? Oh, because they sh-. it's like, it's like, a, it's not much reasoning to it. Um, I think I know the reason. I think that they're trying to show that they're, that they can be self-regulating so that there's no need to regulate them externally. I think that's what this whole thing's about. Yeah, I think that when it comes to influence, there has to be some self-regulation, but it has to be fitting within the particular culture. Like within the American culture, it's it's based on the First Amendment a lot Mm -hmm. and like freedom of speech. So they should be empathetic of that i think so i think that i think the tech industry is attempting to self-regulate because it has so much influence like you said but i think they're doing a bad job i feel that and let's see and i i, I definitely was not just <laughs> they're doing a good job let's see um i wanted to just make sure when you said big money in universities are you talking specifically because i know they get a lot of money from like foundations and, and public you're talking about private donors that like so what, monopolize i'll, I'll okay. speak on just my experience because okay. I don't know everything, but I know my experience, what I what happened with me. You feel me? Okay. So I went to the University of Florida, right? Uh. Beautiful campus. Uh-huh. Tim Tebow, the whole thing. You know what I mean? Uh. I'm a University of Miami Hurricane fan. My middle name is Kane. Uh. Like, I didn't pick that name. I was named Kane after the Hurricanes. You know what I'm saying? 
I, I just couldn't afford to go there. It's 40,000 a semester. I don't even think 40,000 cost me the whole time to go to us yeah, that's a car a year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I didn't, I could, I wanted to go. I got in, I got yeah. into UM. You feel me? And mm-hmm. I went to the whole, like where they smooth you to go to the school thing. And like, dude, I wanted to go so bad, bro, but I didn't, I didn't have the money. You feel me? And, and UF is a better engineering school. So it's like, I'm going to pay more for a, lesser value like a a least valuable degree if that makes sense yep a degree that's not worth as much i should say yeah so um i went ahead i went ahead to uf partially for for that reason right okay so i'm at uf now and i'm in the in this facility and i'm in like i'm trying i'm thinking i'm gonna talk to the dean for whatever reason i'm talking to the one of the dean of engineering right i forgot what the reason was i, I like doing stuff like that like I would yeah. talk to like four star generals that were employed by UF. I was like, if you're here, I'm gonna just talk to you because like, why not? You feel that's me? Yeah. That's yeah, like, why not? So I'm there talking to the dean, and you know what it has to do? Because my family's from education. Like my grandfather was a principal, mm-hmm. so the first principal of Southridge High School. So like, I feel like maybe I'm I have some comfortability with that. So I don't. I'm talking to Dean, but while, before I talk to the Dean, while I'm waiting to talk to the Dean, I'm like in the lobby of where his office is. You know what I'm saying? Mm. And there's these plaques. And it says, top donors. <laughs> yeah. It says, top university donors. And it's oil company, oil company, oil company, oil company. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I get why there's not much renewable energy energy research going on here. You feel me? So that was just my experience of, and I could be wrong. Maybe they say, oh, there actually was. But furthering my experience, which is completely true, I don't know how you could possibly verify this. Maybe I could pull up an email if someone wants to check me. I don't know. But there was a class that was made available to everybody. And I think it was the first, I want to say the one of the, if not the first, one of the first renewable energy courses available to like everybody that goes to UF. Mm-hmm. And it was a solar power class. Oh, wow. And like, I don't like solar power, like bias wise, like on individual units, individual houses is cool. On mm-hmm. a mass scale, I don't, I don't think the technology is viable, okay. but I'm biased. But anyway, that's not the point of what I'm trying to say. The point of what I'm trying to say is they had this course, right? And I'm on the waiting list, I think I was. Mm-hmm. Because the course is filled. Yeah. It is. That's the hot market right now. Filled. It's been exponential growth. Let's go. So I'm on the waiting to see if I can get in. I get an email. Like, I want to say the first week of class, course canceled. Ah! <laughs> so that, that happening to me and then me, like, being like, it's a little odd that there's so many oil companies are the top donors. Like, just me, those two things happening. And then someone may argue. I'm not, I'm not trying to straw man like the oil companies. You know what I'm saying? Like someone may argue, oh, it's just coincidence. Okay, could have been, but there wasn't, there's no, there's no ocean power department at UF. You know what I'm saying? There's no wind power at UF. Not a lot of alternative energy method. Yeah. There's not sense. like, like I wanted to study it. I was trying to get into it. And it was very uh, sparse, you know? So I just I put one I put it hand in hand. I think that that's messed up. Like who who knows? Like I did I got along with UF. If UF has those resources avail, available to me, maybe I'm able to uh, put forth my technology earlier, and I don't get in the situation I got in with FAU. You know what I'm saying? But that's the and point. Then, 
and you'd then, be a competitor at that point. Like if you had a viable product and your product works, you'd be a you'd be a competitor to any energy seller, and that's what you know. Yeah, and that that it makes my point, and it kind of like proves what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's dope. All right, well, let's do it though. All right, I feel you. Yeah, it's kind. Of, it's kind. Of, it's a little. It can be depressing that so many industries are rigged, but you could. <laughs> you, you could also look at it as a positive that 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 possibly that's why they're so stable. I I don't believe that they are stable. Like I've seen people die. Like oh, I, don't, I haven't seen. I agree. I agree. You know what I mean? Like I don't think they're stable. I'm just trying to give. I'm I'm just trying to be fair to the opposition. Oh, I mean, I'm oil. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't like. I mean, when I make when I make a controversial <laughs> when I make a controversial point on a, in a public setting, I try to like say the other side too to be fair. You have more tact than me. We're good. This is my podcast, though, so I'm gonna be like, yeah. I know the oil company is rigged because like they literally they get oil from rigs, you know. So hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to take it back. So we got we got time for three last questions because we we went. I mean, we got deep, so it's good. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you three last questions. You you good with that? So sure. got you, bro. That's good. So first one, like, what what inspires you to keep moving forward? So, I have like a to do list, and I have like multiple of them. So I have like a weekly to do list, and I have like a quarterly list, and I have a daily list, and a lot of the tasks are recurring. So I just. I just try to just stick to my list. Like if I feel like I want to do it, hmm. I like if I feel like I want to do it, do it. If I don't feel like I want to do it, I still do it. I just try. I try to get on my list. Like if it's on my list, I'm gonna do it. You know what I'm saying? There's a reason why I'm doing it. I when I when there's like the periods of where I'm not as productive, I try to to look for motivation and the people that I feel like passed away too soon. Mm-hmm. Like uh Jose, like XXX Tontashon, uh Nipsey Hustle, mm-hmm. China, my homie Lauren. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like if they were here, they would be going hard. So I try to like carry that torch in a sense. I like try that. to try to like like if they were here, I think they would be doing kind of what I'm doing. So I have to like go extra hard for them in a sense. I feel that. I feel that. I appreciate that. I respect that too. Let's go. We got second, second to last question. Right? How how do you think COVID has changed like your landscape, like as a business, as an artist, as a as a human? Well, me personally, like I work. I've been working from home, so I don't really didn't really affect me so 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 much. But okay. It seemed like there was like a, it's like a recalibration of society almost like a there's like a systematic leveling of certain parts of the society like small businesses and like certain sections of the population are dying off. So I just there seems like there's potential nefarious elements. Uh, I don't know for sure, but it just. From the perspective of like looking at from like reverse engineering, mm-hmm. like just looking at the results, certain sections of the population died and small businesses like independence has taken a hit. Like 
I feel like that's there's a good chance that was by design just looking at the results now. So mm-hmm. that's that's where I'm kind of at with COVID. I'm I'm interested in what the information is going to be in five years if we get all the information about it. I can feel that. <laughs> I try to operate. I operate as if we never have complete information. You know what I mean? That's real because we usually don't. Yeah, but we got this. Let's do it. All right, last question. Where can people go to learn more and support you? So I would say right now, patreon.com backslash vtechnique. And I have, there's a number of songs. I'm going to eventually have my whole catalog on there, like over 60 songs. But right now there's songs on there that you can only hear. And I was uh, I was doing a lot of business with Spotify, sending a lot of traffic to Spotify, running ads, but I was having issues and they, they only paid like 0.00165 a play for me. Like everybody's different, but they don't really pay me much. So I would say sign up for my Patreon if if you like my music, if you enjoy my music, if you enjoy the podcast. I have my own podcast, True Conspiracy, and I'm going to be doing a specific podcast that you can only hear on there as well. Right. If you use a streaming platform, I suggest if they if the audience uses a streaming platform, I suggest Amazon Music Unlimited. They pay the most per stream. Okay. But I I am on every platform, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Napster, all of that. I just put out a song. Vicious Technique just put out a song called Rise. Mm-hmm. Came out on the fifth. Yeah, the fifth of February, and that has a singer from. Louisiana called Tavion. Okay. And she's very talented. And the song the song fits with the with today's holiday of Valentine's Day. And I have a Vicious Technique has another song. Excuse, excuse me for third person, because I'm about to mention another artist. So so Vicious Technique has another song releasing called Game Bread uh-huh. on Friday the 19th. And you can listen to that right now if you sign up for the Patreon. You get early access. Uh, Vicious Technique drops a song every two weeks. So if you want to hear the song before anybody else, you can you can do that on the Patreon. Thanks so much, man. That was great. Yeah. And also check out Johnny Tiger uh. and as well as uh, RJ, uh, Ronda James with Hold Don't Forget the Asterisk. Yeah. yeah. Check out and and also check out Duke. Yeah, Duke Stay Hip, Media. Uh, bon, bon Duke, for sure. So yeah, I really appreciate you, Wally. It's been a great, great podcast. Welcome to the Urbanized Podcast. Uh, my name is Wally Brown, and today joining me is Vicious Technique from Miami, Florida. Vicious, how you doing, man? great i'm great how you doing wally i'm doing great man i'm doing great you can't complain i mean i can't complain but i'm gonna do something about it all right <laughs> that's what i like to hear word 